0: With the Jaron Stevenson recruitment now in the rear view, is it time for Hubert Davis to be finished with the class of 2024? You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, June 23rd, 2023. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us for your first listen or watch of the day. Man, hard to believe that the NBA draft is over that took place last night. We'll be talking about that coming up on the show today. Quite interesting stuff there. Before we get into it, though, I want to wish a very special happy birthday tomorrow on Saturday to Chad Lesby from your daughter Emily shout out Emily says shout out to our biggest Tar Heels fan of over 30 years nearly everything he wears is Tar Heel blue even though we live near Syracuse so Chad happy birthday way to rep the Carolina blue up there in New York hope it's a great day and that you're able to celebrate with friends and Family, and by the way, thanks so much for tuning into the show. It means so much. Glad to celebrate your birthday with you. So, coming up on the show, we are going to talk about the NBA draft. No Tar Heels drafted on Thursday night, and want to talk a little bit about what that means. But before we get into all that, want to just continue in the Jaron Stevenson um, conversation a little bit, or at least what comes out of that. And we're going to start by doing that with a question from. A listener. This comes from Jackson Hershey and was a very poignant question for this time. By the way, if you're someone who would like to submit questions and you haven't done so, you can do that at lockdarheels at gmail.com, or you can submit a DM or Instagram message on Twitter, you know, any any of that. Um, any I think I just said an Instagram message on Twitter, a DM on Instagram, a DM on Twitter, any of those things. Anyway, Jackson's email says. This. I was curious if you thought there was a chance that the Tar Heels would be trying to recruit anyone else in the 2024 class, like Boogie Fland, etc. This is a great question from Jackson uh, to be able to look at. Okay, so where do the Tar Heels go next in the class of 2024? Or do they go anywhere else in the class of 2024? Keep in mind, at this point, is Carolina had four commits in the class of 2024. One of those was Elliot Cadeau, who has obviously reclassified. And the three remaining commits in the class of 24 for North Carolina are James Brown, Ian Jackson, and Drake Powell. Currently, Carolina still has the number one class in the nation. And so to, to directly answer the the question from Jackson right off the bat, if you thought there was a chance that Tar Heels would be trying to recruit anyone else, the, here's what's weird about this day and age of college basketball recruiting. My answer to you, Jackson, probably shoulder shrug emoji, right? Like it's it's just nearly impossible to know anymore what your roster is going to look like two months from now, much less a year from now. And that, that is part of what makes the job of a collegiate head coach. So incredibly difficult. Now that's no small part as to why guys like Roy Williams and Jay Wright and coach K decided to walk away when they did. It's like, this is a whole different ball of wax than I've ever messed with. And I I don't even want to play around with it. And so I, I say, my my firm, solid answer to Jackson is probably because in the transfer portal era, it's extremely difficult to know what you're going to need in the next cycle. And so it's almost like you look like in in football recruiting, you basically want to take one quarterback in each cycle. And it's almost like you start having to look at it the same way. If you want to be a program that recruits out of the high school ranks still, which I'll say more about that in a second, it's almost like you should get. Try to get just one of each position, even in this positionless era, like, okay, well, let me try and recruit the type of point guard I want. Let me try and recruit the type of shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, whatever it is. Maybe one one front court, one wing, one backcourt, whatever you think those needs are. Because some are different programs are going to fill out their rosters in different ways. So let me talk about a couple of the different ways that Carolina might look to attack this. So number 1, will coach Davis pers- still continue to pursue high schoolers in general before we look at will he do that in the class of 2024. One of the things we're starting to notice as you, as we look at college basketball across the nation is that some schools are already doing less recruiting of high school basketball players, because they're saying, you know what, let them go somewhere else, get their feet wet, learn on the job, and then we'll get you in the transfer portal. We might take one or two high school kids, whatever, but in this day and age, why, why would I want to be the one to to develop them when I could just get them already cooked a little bit? You know what I mean? So there are schools doing that. However, in general, what coach Davis is doing in the class of 2025 is evidence to me that he still does plan to pursue high level high school basketball players to come be freshmen at North Carolina, because right now North Carolina has made seven offers in the class of 2025 and six of those seven are to basically top 10 ranked young men in the class. And the only one that's outside of that is the twin of the young man, Cam Boozer, who's number one overall. And so Coach Davis appears on the general level to still want to recruit out of high school, and we'll have to watch and see what that, if that's going to continue to play the same. But then, specifically, will he pursue any more in the class of 2024? That's a different question when you already have that number one recruiting class and, again, not knowing what, what else is going to happen. So, on the general level, I believe North Carolina will try or not try, North Carolina will continue to recruit high schoolers. But as for 2024, that remains to be seen. Part two, what about Boogie Fland specifically? Because um, Jackson obviously mentioned Boogie in his question. Lots of people are curious about Boogie. I am as well. Here's my thought on Boogie. When Elliot Cadeau was part of the class of 24, I thought that meant Carolina would be out on him. But now that Cadeau is in the class of 23, I believe that North Carolina will get back to, if they've not already recruiting Boogie at a high and heavy level. Um, Particularly keep in mind and remember that he's from Archbishop Stepanak in New York, which is RJ Davis's high school. And so, Absolutely, I expect Carolina to go after Boogie Fland. You always, always can use more elite guards. Something apparently the Charlotte Hornets decided uh not to think about on Thursday night until later in the first round. I'll say more about that in a little bit. Um, number three. With Armando Bacot gone next season, which he has to be now. This is his last year of eligibility. This is his COVID year. Um and, and James Brown projecting to be a player who's going to need a year or two of development before being a major contributor. I think that North Carolina should continue to look for a front court, another front court player in the class of 24. Um, I, I think if things progress as we expect them to, Jalen Washington would probably be the starting five next year based on what Carolina has right now. And if Jalen Withers sticks around for an extra year, probably him in that mix, obviously Zayden high is going to be a big part of that mix. But I I do think that Carolina might look at a a forward in the class of 2024, unless point four, Another thing that Carolina might look to do, if they don't look to uh, really heavily recruit anyone else in the class of 24, maybe outside of boogie, I really expect them to go hard after him is that transfer portal. Because you never know what it's going to give and you never know what it's going to take away. I I still, I'm really interested to see if Coach Davis and the staff do decide to do anything with one of those three remaining scholarships this year. If there's any, any of the bigs out there in the portal that they go after. If not, I really wouldn't be shocked to see them do so next year. Because again, who's going to be that big body to replace Armando? And so there's all these factors at play that that um, help factor in, forgive me for using that word again, to the answer to Jackson's question about if North Carolina will try to recruit anyone else in the 2024 class. You got to factor in. You don't know who's going to leave after this season, either to go professional or to transfer out. You don't know who's going to be available in the transfer portal. You don't know who's going to pop this year in a way that you didn't expect or underperform this year in a way you didn't expect. All of these are possibilities that is making college basketball a year-round kind of free agency endeavor, if you'll allow me that phrase, um, which is fun for me because it gives us all sorts of fun stuff to talk about, but it does make it incredibly and increasingly harder. And by the way, while we're talking about Stevenson, one thing I do want to mention about yesterday, if you if you listened to yesterday's show about Stevenson, you'll remember that I said this. If not, you need to go back and listen to it. I know the everydayers are here uh, and and heard it already, but if not, if you're new to us, A, welcome, B, go back and listen to yesterday's show. But my suggestion was that Stevenson's commitment to Alabama was not an indictment on North Carolina, but rather a sign of the times. Now someone, and maybe a couple different people, but I at least saw one mentioned um, that that statement that it's not an indictment on North Carolina but just the way it is for everyone now is not the case for that school down the street meaning in a not so veiled way duke and i i want to push back on that though because that absolutely happened to duke this offseason when Kyle Filipowski decided to return to duke mckinsey Mbako, who was top 10 in the class of 2023 asked out of his national letter of intent and is now going to be an Indiana Hoosier. So yes, absolutely. Duke's dealing with it. Kentucky's dealing with it. Kansas is dealing with it. Everyone is Texas has had guys do it. Ron Holland decommitted from Texas. It's happening all over the place in various and different ways, but it's not just North Carolina. It's happening to Duke as well. It's the, it's just the cost of doing business now, especially at the highest level. Well, well, Coming up here in just a second, we do want to talk about draft night, some things that happened um, surrounding North Carolina and in general. We're going to get to all of that in just a second. Find out what's going on with the Tar Heels. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Friends, let me just tell you, Bird Dog shorts and pants—they make you look good. I'm, in fact, I'm as you're watching this today on Friday. I'm out hiking with my family and some friends, and I'm literally wearing my bird dog shorts. I've already got them laid out to put on in the morning when I get up. And I say in the morning because it's late. I stayed up for after the uh, NBA draft. I kept refreshing to to wait and see if I could get some news on on Leaky or Pete Nance or anything like that. But anyway, uh, my, my outfit is laid out for the morning, ready to go. And you better believe those bird dog shorts are part of the equation. One of the things that Bird Dogs has done is they have these stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better because they're not made of stiff, restricting cotton like some other brands. How do they pull that off? Well... Bird Dogs fixed that by inventing a cloud knit fabric that kind of looks like khaki, but it stretches so that you get a slimmer fit without sacrificing movement. One of my favorite things is I'm really sensitive to like kind of smells. And so I love that Bird Dogs have this anti stink, sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So, friends, go to birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. Once again, that's BirdDogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You're not going to want to take your bird dogs off all summer long. We promise you. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Okay, so um, as of the time of this recording, we do not have an update on Leaky Black or Pete Nance. I've been refreshing and refreshing and refreshing and refreshing to try to see if I could find out any information on maybe them signing with somebody, uh, but it's just not meant to be yet. So hopefully, that news will come at some point. I'm gonna re- like as I'm talking, I'm gonna refresh it one more time to see if we can find any information as we're talking here. Stay with me. Let's see. Leaky black. Do, 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 do. Nothing. Nothing yet. Other than lots of videos of Leaky Black blocking Brandon Miller's shot. That's great stuff there. So uh yeah nothing on these guys still. And so we keep waiting and watching for news there. But the big news then is that that means that no Tar Heels were drafted in the 2023 NBA draft. Again, I've I've stayed up as long as I could, but at some point I, I got to give up and we'll live to fight another day and talk about it when Leaky and Pete do ultimately sign. Um. What what's interesting to me and one of the, the lots of trends, lots of things that I noticed, but one of the things I wanted to point out is how great a decision Mondo made in coming back to school for a fifth year. If you've been around college basketball much lately or or listen to me talk either here or on Locked on College Basketball, you know, one of the things, one of the trends that's going on is that the NBA does not value the traditional bigs or utilize the traditional bigs in the same way that college basketball does. And so now there's this disconnect of guys like Armando Baycott that would have been high level first round draft picks a decade, decade and a half, two decades ago that now just simply go undrafted. Let me give you some examples of exactly what I mean. There's a whole bunch of notable names, guys that were not, drafted um but let me just list off some of the high level bigs from college basketball this year that were in the draft that didn't get drafted oscar Sheepway, kentucky won the national player of the year two years ago not drafted i uh, haven't seen anything as of yet as to if he's going to sign a two-way or what's going on there um But Drew Timmy of Gonzaga, same. I haven't seen any news on him. Adama Sonogo, fresh off the national championship, could have gone back to UConn. I mean, just same thing. Oscar Shiboy could have gone back to Kentucky. Drew Timmy could have gone back to Gonzaga. I don't understand why they didn't. Had, you know, however much money in front of them in NIL if they wanted it. Anyway, Adama Sonogo could have gone back to UConn. Pretty traditional big Um didn't get drafted, has signed a two-way contract with the Bulls. Keep in mind, teams, NBA teams have three two-way contracts now. So essentially there are 30 more jobs around the league. Azulas Tabellas, Arizona, could have come back. Didn't didn't get drafted two-way with the 76ers. Colin Castleton, Florida, big dude. Didn't get drafted. Two-way with the Lakers. Charles Bediaco, Alabama, decided to stay in the draft. Was not drafted. Just all of these bigs that could have come back to school and probably could have done very, very well in the NIL space, but just didn't and didn't get drafted. And I mean, multiple other names, but uh, guys that are more like backcourt players as well. Some of them, let me just name them off. Dr. Smith, NC State, another guy that's signed a 2A with the 76ers. Same with Ricky Council, Arkansas, signed a 2A with the 76ers. Serge Jabari Rice from Texas. 2A with the Spurs, pretty cool. He'll get to stay there in state. Marquise Noel, what a great NCAA tournament run he had from K-State, not drafted. 2A with Toronto. Mike Miles, TCU, same thing. 2A with the Mavs. Adam Flagler, Baylor, did not get drafted. And so just a whole bunch of, there's and there's always names. There's just not enough slots for the amount of guys that there are. But specifically with these bigs, it's just really, really curious to me. But it makes it, all the more for me, a, such a wise decision for Armando to come back because I, I think there is going to be a place for him playing professional basketball somewhere. I say I think I know there is going to be a place for him playing professional basketball somewhere when he's done at North Carolina after this season. And yes, he will be out of eligibility after this year. But why not come back one more time to this place he loves, finish off anything else he needs to do with his academic work and. Um, continue to set himself up. He's talked about all the connections he's made while he's at North Carolina in the business world, which is what his degrees in um, and the, the opportunity to earn all the money that he's earning. I mean, he's just doing a great job with that, not to mention kind of a redemption year after what happened last year. And so I I think Armando has made a great choice by coming back. Same with Hunter Dickinson um, from, from Michigan, who's, now at kansas this upcoming season now he's he's stepped out and hit threes um at a at a little bit of a higher rate um i mean not not high volume but has done it more than armando has but still decided to come back to school and make a way for himself so uh we continue to track that trend of the bigs just either be, being not drafted or drafted lower than Otherwise they would have been in like trace Jackson Davis from Indiana did get drafted, but I mean, it was like right in the last couple picks there that he went off the board. So, and and to the warriors though, that I think is a really neat fit because of everything he can do with distributing, play a small ball five, just kick it around to Steph and clay and CP three now. Wow. Pretty interesting right there. And so, uh, man, we'll continue to monitor everything with the bigs and what they go through now I want to look at as I said North Carolina didn't have anyone drafted I want to look at some recent history and how the Tar Heels have fared in the NBA draft as well as conference representation in this year's draft and maybe some things that it says plus just want to mention a few just little nuggets and tidbits from the night and we'll do that in just a second okay so uh, I want to look at Recent history of Tar Heels in the NBA draft. Let's go back to 2010, just a nice round number. In that time span, there are only three years in which the Tar Heels haven't had a single player drafted. The only thing is, is that one of those three years is obviously this year. And I am technically counting 2022 last year as a year in which the Tar Heels had someone drafted, even though it was somebody, Walker Kessler, who had played for North Carolina, went to Auburn and was drafted out of North, out of Auburn, excuse me. So um, I can hear an argument on either side of counting him or not counting him. Like in the Tar Heel record book, they name him, but there's an asterisk that said, you know, he transferred to Auburn and, and was drafted out of there. So for the purposes of this list, I'm counting it. But if you want to say there have been four years since 2010 in which Carolina hasn't had a player drafted, I got no beef, no qualm with that at all. And and if so, that means it's now been two years in a row with no Tar Heels drafted. Let me just run back through it all the way back to 2010. You could even quiz yourself if you want to pause it and just make some guesses. I'll tell you, including Walker Kessler. It's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 17, 18 players since 2010 for Carolina. If you want to pause and quiz yourself, but here I go. Three, two, one. In 2021, Dayron Sharp. 2020, Cole Anthony. 2019, you had Kobe White, Cam Johnson, and Nasir Little. 2018 was one of those years with nobody. 2017, Justin Jackson and Tony Bradley, fresh off that national championship. 2016, both Bryce Johnson and Marcus Page fresh off of the national championship and then 2015 JP Tokoto 2014 flip those initials around PJ Hairston 2013 Reggie Bullock 2012 you had that quartet of Harrison Barnes Kendall Marshall and Tyler Zeller pretty wild there 2011 was nobody and then 2010 was easy ed Davis going all the way back. So some interesting things about that. The majority of the the players on this list are first rounders. Only Marcus Page and JP Tokuto were second rounders on that list. And like, if you do take Walker Kessler out of the equation, I mean, you're you're looking at a thing where you've only had two players drafted in the past four years. And I I don't know if you call that troubling or just, you know, it, there's an ebb and flow to it. Right. Like, and so that's, that's a little bit of something to reckon with. There is what's that going to look like for North Carolina? Well, you you look, you think ahead early to the 2024 draft. um, Like will Armando find his way into it? Will RJ overcome his size and, and get drafted? I, I just don't honestly I just don't see it with those guys, not because of them or what they do, but because of what the NBA does and doesn't value. I mean, you've got Elliot Cadeau, who projects to be somebody that could be drafted next year. Um, Harrison Ingram, remember, had one and done um, talk headed into college. It didn't pan out at Stanford, but if he blows up this year for the Tar Heels, there's possibilities there. So, uh, we will wait and see what's going on there. And then you expect the year after that, Ian Jackson, to be drafted in 25. So I think we will have Tar Heels. But it's just interesting to keep that perspective and see where things are at. I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. And I don't think you should either. But again, just just it's helpful to look at. In terms of conference breakdown of the 2023 NBA draft, would you like to guess which conference had the most players picked in the the totality, not just the first round, both rounds of the 2023 NBA draft. If you want to guess, pause it, and I'm going to tell you right now, it is the SEC. They had 10 players drafted. Pretty. uh, Don't think I would have guessed that before I started my draft prep. Anyway, Big Ten was second with eight. ACC and Big East tied for third with five. Big 12, Pac-12 each had four. Uh, American Athletic Conference and WCC each had three. And then A-10, Mac, SoCon, and Missouri Valley each had one. For the ACC, it's interesting. There were only two first-rounders for the ACC, both of them from Duke. It was Derek Lively and derek Whitehead. Really interesting stuff there. So, you know, we, we talked about the North Carolina side of things. It's like, okay, well, there's been all this... Talk in recent years about the ACC not being as good, and now you've only got these two players uh, dra- drafted in the first round. Is something wrong with the conference? I just no, I don't think so. And we're going to have with with how Duke is projecting ahead of next year, how Miami's projecting. Some of some folks are starting to believe in North Carolina. Virginia is always going to be around. I think the ACC is going to be back a little bit in the national view next season. So. I'm not too worried about that. Uh, Just a couple interesting nuggets, tidbits from the NBA draft before we get out of here. Did you see that Gigi Jackson fell all the way to 45th? Wow. I, I just did not see that coming. I knew that he was not going to be drafted as high as we would have anticipated, maybe ahead of last college basketball season but I thought he would have been either a fringe first rounder or very early in the second round, but Fid fell to the middle of the second round here. Now, earlier in talking about the Hornets, you know, I, t- I talked about choosing Miller over scoot and not having that guard, but here's what's in. And, and that's obviously a controversial choice taking Brandon Miller over scoot. What I've said all along is I know there's a lot of Hornets fans that, that, overlap between Hornets and and Tar Heels. So welcome to you Hornets fans out there. But my thing all along is at two, you just take whichever of those guys you think is the better prospect. Don't worry about fit. It's definitely best prospect available. And clearly from what the Hornets said, they thought all along that that was Brandon Miller. That's who they were leaning to. But what's interesting is they were able to go back and get Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas at twenty seven. Now, you might or might not be aware, but heading into last year, Nick Smith Jr. was projected as a top five pick. He was projected as the highest picked college player in the 23 NBA draft because of injuries. He ultimately fell and is drafted almost at the end of the first round. But here's what I want to say about the Hornets. Interestingly, if Nick Smith can be that top five level pick that that most people thought he would be coming out of high school, I'm not saying he's going to be Scoot Henderson, but in, in essence, if he can be that level, then it's almost like they didn't have to pick between Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson because they got Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson in the form of Nick Smith Jr. Does that make sense? And so in some ways, you know, I, I know that the Hornets had no way of knowing they could get Nick Smith Jr. at 27, but in some ways they played this brilliantly because they got both, they got two essentially if Nick Smith jr can live up to that two top five picks without having to choose between one of them. Does that make sense? Pretty savvy. We'll see if it plays out though. A lot of it's going to depend depend on Nick Smith jr's health. A lot of it's going to depend on how Brandon Miller does. Some his worst basketball was in the tournament. Leaky, you know how much leaky held him down. And then against the most stalwart defensive teams he played this year, in houston for example was one of his worst scoring games of the season so we'll keep an eye on brandon miller see what happens there folks that's it for this week on locked on tar heels thanks so much for being here as always so fun to talk about everything going on at north carolina even when it's hard stuff even when you miss out on a recruit like jaron stevenson it's still fun to just get together and talk sports i hope you love it as much as i do you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shabe. Email the show, Locked on at gmail.com. That's where you can send pictures. Would love to have you do that. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Smash the like button or leave comments on your thoughts on the draft, on what North Carolina will do in the class of 24. Want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be right back with you on Monday, but until then, peace.